Good afternoon. This is Bill Allen coming to you live from downtown Tyler, Texas. If you're watching on my Facebook page, then you're watching live if it is 3 p.m. Central Time. Uh, glad to have you along for the ride, whether you're live or whether you're tuning in a little bit later on my Facebook page just by scrolling down or on our West Irwin Live or West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook pages or our website at westirwin.com. Uh, click on the connect up at the top and then find the live stream page scroll down on it till you come to that video archives uh, view archives page and that's where it'll be nice to see folks tagging along I appreciate you being a part of this study nice to see my sister Tia there with me and appreciate you and love you so much and I know others will be joining us along as well uh, very humbled that we have a lot of viewers each time, and that's a great thing, and I appreciate that. Uh, some of them are very, very dear friends. Uh, Eric and Cindy Mosley have signed on and always do hello. And my cousin Gail is so wonderful, Gail and Keith. And, uh, of course, Tracy and Elaine, Keith's brother, long, lots of memories with that crew. Going back to Buna, Texas, and... Uh, now in Beaumont and Orange and the Golden Triangle, that's where we're all from down in those parts. So uh, glad to have you along today. We're looking at the Daily Bible in chronological order. It is uh, it is uh, compiled by F. Lagarde Smith. Lots of chronological Bibles out there. This one is a good one, and I enjoy it a lot and appreciate it. A lot of our members here at West Irwin have uh, bought copies of those and other churches where I've been. Wonderful to see you, Melinda. Nice to see you joining in. I know y'all have one of these Bibles, and that's a that's a great, great thing. Uh, it's, it's a challenge to read through the Bible in a year. You're reading three to four chapters a day. Uh, Lagarde Smith's uh, Bible helps with some very appropriate uh, but not obtrusive uh, Bible helps and commentaries and some dates and things happening and he doesn't add a lot because he knows that uh, we have plenty to read just with the text. And so that's as good. Tia has hers. And I'm glad if you have it, you can open it up to Genesis 15. I'm not sure what date that is, but it's probably right around January 5th or 6th. Um, today, we're looking at some of the stories from Genesis that revolve around uh, who is called Father Abraham. He is referred to as the father of the faithful. Uh, and all the Jews uh, go back to a Father Abraham and his wife Sarah. And we began talking about him with his call in Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis 15, God renews that promise to him that through one of his descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed and his descendants will have the land where he's uh, uh, heading toward and on and all of that. And then in Genesis 15, verse 6, that very significant passage, Abraham believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness. That's a, that's a great verse. Hopefully you have that one marked, Genesis 15, verse 6. It's quoted in the New Testament two or three times, a couple of times by the Apostle Paul in Romans 4 and in Galatians 3, when he's talking about how our salvation comes through our faith and not by works. Just like it did with Abraham, he believed God's promise and God credited it to him as righteousness. Paul makes a big point in Romans 4 that Abraham did not uh, deserve that. God credited it to him. And we're going to see more about Abraham's imperfections today. 
Uh, and then again, similarly, Paul says that in Galatians 3. And then James, the half-brother of the Lord. Remember, James and John were brothers, and uh, they were sons of Zebedee. They were both apostles. James, the brother of John, who wrote our gospel and the three letters in the book of Revelation, that James, uh, who was an apostle, was one who, he was the first apostle killed for the faith. We read about that in Acts chapter 12. Uh, but the James that wrote the letter of James is actually James, the half-brother of the Lord. Um, uh, Mary and Joseph, after Jesus was born, uh, they had abstained from any sexual relations until Jesus was born. And then after that, they carried on and had children in the natural way. They're listed in the Gospels, some of their names, and two of them write two of our books out of the New Testament. James is one who also took some of the leadership in the church at Jerusalem after Jesus uh, began the church in, on the day of Pentecost. And also Jude, who is a very short one-chapter book uh, just before the book of Revelation in our Bibles. All of that to say that James, the half-brother of the Lord, in that little letter that he writes, I think it's five chapters, uh, he also quotes Genesis 15, verse 6, but he does it from a whole different perspective. Uh, in James 2, he quotes that passage of Abraham. Abraham believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness and quotes it as a biblical example of a faith that is expressed in demonstrations of obedience to God. And that was Abraham's faith. Uh, looking back specifically to some of the instances we're going to see today, Abraham trusted in God and obeyed him and was faithful, but Abraham also had flaws and he had sins, and there were times when he didn't quite trust God enough. We're going to look at a few of those today as well. The first one is found in Genesis 16. Uh, when he's hearing that promise from God that you're going to have lots of descendants, I'm going to bless all the earth through your descendants, um, Abraham says, you know, maybe it's not through Sarah, my wife. And Sarah says, well, here's my servant girl, Hagar. Maybe we're supposed to have a child through her. And so Abraham sleeps with Hagar, and they have a son, and his name is Ishmael. That's Abraham's firstborn son. Uh, but God says Ishmael will be blessed, and he'll become a, lot, a great nation with lots of descendants, but he's not the child of promise. You and Sarah will have that child. And so we continue to go on, and uh, Hagar it looks at, um, at Sarah with a different look now that she's had a child, and and Sarah is jealous, and so she sends Hagar and Ishmael away, and uh, they're starving to death. And then uh, God sees them and sees their pain and provides for them. And Hagar names that place the God who sees. The God who sees me. It's such a great story in Genesis 16, a tragic story. We'll hear more about Ishmael as we go along. Abraham was 86 years old. Sarah, 76 years old. When Ishmael was born to Abraham and Sarah's servant, Hagar. Uh, when Abraham is 99 and Ishmael is 13, uh, Genesis 17 records God renewing that covenant and providing a sign for the covenant, and that is the sign of circumcision. And so from Abraham on, the males that are descendants of the Jews who are going to be faithful to that, they are circumcised on the eighth day. Abraham is circumcised at the age of 99, Ishmael at the age of 13, and then after that, when new boys are born, and of course every male in his household was circumcised then as well, 
But when the new boys are born, they are circumcised on the eighth day, according to God's word. Jesus of Nazareth was circumcised on the eighth day uh, as they were living in Bethlehem, very close to the city of Jerusalem. And uh, they gave him the name Jesus, uh, just as the angel Gabriel had instructed. Um, and so we see all of that going on. Abraham and Sarah finally get their names changed in Genesis 17. And then in Genesis 18 and 19 is the tragic story of Sodom and Gomorrah. We remember that when Abraham and Lot, his nephew that he had raised, uh, had expanded their uh, uh, prosperity to such an extent they couldn't live together anymore, Abraham gave Lot the choice of where to live, and he chose the most beautiful of the land uh, and the most fertile of the land, and that was the land of Sodom. And that's where he left, and, and Abraham lived elsewhere. Well, in Genesis chapter 18, three mysterious visitors come to see Abraham. And they tell him um, that Sarah's going to have a son. In less than a year, Sarah will have a son. And he will be the son of promise. And you'll name him Isaac, even though, and Isaac means he laughs or laughter. And that's because when they give that promise, um, Sarah laughs, kind of listening outside the tent or something. And, uh, and so Isaac's name commemorates that event. Uh, and yet again, God is faithful and he continues to keep that promise. Two of these are angels, these three visitors. Abraham makes a big meal for them and tries to entertain them and provide for them. Uh, and one of those seems to take on some kind of representation and manifestation uh, of the Lord. That's a, that's a big question. You, that's a deep dive you can take in uh, using some other resources. Uh, and then God says, you know, should we hold back from Abraham, my friend, what we're about to do? And so uh, God tells Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because the sin there is, is so horrible. And it is primarily the sin of homosexuality. And we read about that because of what happens uh, with Lot and his family. Um, and so Abraham, however, is very sympathetic towards his nephew, of course, and his family, but also the people there. And so Abraham bargains with God in Genesis 18. It's really incredible. One of the state questions Abraham throws at God is, will not the judge of all the earth do right? And of course he will. And he didn't have to bargain with Abraham at all. The people deserved death because of their sins. But, um, but God was merciful. So Abraham says, what about if you find 50 righteous people there? Will you destroy them all, for the, and including the 50 righteous? And God says, no, if there are 50, I'll spare it. Abraham continues, how about 45? How about 40? How about 30? How about 20? How about 10? And each time, same result. God says, I'll spare the city for 10 righteous people. And that's where Abraham uh, stops. And so in chapter 19, uh, the angels, the two angels go down to Sodom and they're staying in the city square and, and Lot finds them and says, no, 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 come stay at my house. He's, he knows, he knows the people of that, of that city and he doesn't want them out there. And so he brings them into his house and the men of the city come and bang on Lot's door and demand that he send out those two uh, visitors so that they can have sex with them and abuse them. And uh, Lot refuses, and it's just a horrible, dark, dark uh, story. 
in Acts chapter 19. And finally, when uh, Lot is about to give them his own daughters, and he is about to be mauled and abused himself, the angels bring him in, and they strike the, uh, the, the men of the city with blindness, and then they leave, and God calls down fire and brimstone on the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's only Lot and his family that escape. Uh, his wife and his two daughters are, are fleeing, and the angels tell them, don't even look back, don't look back. But Lot's wife does, and she becomes, as Scripture says, a pillar of salt. Um, a, a, a tragic story, but a great reminder to us that uh, sin is very serious, and the consequences are deep, and we should never, never, never um, toy with that. And we need to stay far away from it as possible. And unfortunately, Lot's wife was not quite willing uh, to completely leave like the angels had told them to. So they leave, and from them, uh, that group, and that's another dark, dark story at the end of chapter 19, the Moabites and the Ammonites, who had become enemies of the Jews, uh, have their ancestry begin. In Genesis 20, Abraham lies again about his wife, Sarah. He had done it earlier in chapter 12 in Egypt. Now he does it the same way. Tell them you're my sister, not my wife, uh, while he is with the Philistines. And same result, same result. But again, Abraham is faithful, but he is also imperfect. And we understand sometimes it's hard to trust God when the stakes could be high. Abraham feared for his life. He thought that they would kill him so that they could have Sarah. And God reveals that to the Philistines, and Abraham and Sarah uh, are saved. Uh, in Genesis 21, Isaac is finally born. Uh, Abraham is 100, Sarah is 90. It's, it's not like when Jesus was born, where there was no, uh, no sexual activity between the mom and the dad. It was a miraculous birth. Uh, this is a miraculous birth as well, but in a different way. They have uh, the baby the natural way, but they're very old and should not be having children, and yet God provides a way for them to do that. Very similar to uh, John the Baptist's parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, when we get to the book of Luke. Isaac is born, Ishmael and Hagar are sent away, and yet delivered by the Lord. Uh, as I had said. And then in Genesis 22, one of the most troubling passages, God calls on Abraham and he says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and offer him up to me as a sacrifice. Why, Bill, would God do such a thing? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. But in a great act of faith, Abraham says, okay, okay. Uh, I'll say a little bit about what Hebrews 11 has to say about that. But they go off, and uh, Abraham tells his servants, uh, the boy and I will go a little farther and worship, and then we'll come back to you. And uh, Isaac, young Isaac, we don't know how old, probably a, maybe a teenager, not very old, but he, um, uh, he asks his father, Father, I see the wood, I see the fire, um, but I don't see the animal to sacrifice. And Abraham, in great faith, says the Lord will provide. And so Abraham ties up his son, he's, he's ready to, he lifts the knife, ready to strike him, and God stops him in those, uh, that expression, Abraham, Abraham, uh, in Genesis 22. One of those times, the few times, there aren't very many, in Scripture where God calls someone by their name twice and repeats it, Abraham, Abraham. He will call from, to Moses from the burning bush, Moses, Moses. Uh, and we see that several times. Saul of Tarsus, who had become Paul the Apostle, uh, 
Saul, Saul, Jesus says, why are you persecuting me uh, in Acts 9? Uh, for now, it's Abraham, Abraham, and God stops him, and he sees in the bushes a, a ram that's caught, and, and again, the place is named, God will provide. It's a great, great story in Genesis 22. What the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 11 is, Abraham even believed that God could raise his son from the dead. Abraham wasn't sure that God would stop him, but he just knew that God would provide and he would save his son. Uh, Lagarde Smith, in his comment on this passage, I think raises a very good possibility uh, when he says, Abraham had to learn that his trust was in God and not in Isaac. Isaac was the fulfillment of the promise. They had waited so long for him, and yet God was the, the promise keeper, not Isaac. Isaac was the fulfillment of God's promise, but God was the power, and I think Abraham knew that, and he learned that especially. I love that comment from Lagarde Smith. In Genesis 23, Sarah, Abraham's beloved wife, dies and is buried at the age of 127, and she has the great distinction of being the only woman in Scripture whose age is actually said at the time of her death. Sarah was 127, Isaac was 37 at the time, Abraham 137, 10 years older than Sarah, and Abraham goes to the people of the land and buys a cave, the cave of Machpelah, to bury his beloved wife. Ultimately, that cave, that tomb, will hold the bodies of Abraham and Sarah, uh, their son Isaac and his wife Rebekah that we'll meet in a bit, and also their son Jacob uh, and his wife Leah. Uh, in Genesis 24, God does provide that wife for Isaac. Uh, Rebecca is her name. Uh, God, uh, Abraham tells his faithful servant to go back to the land of his people and find a woman rather than marrying someone from there in the land. And they find Rebecca and they bring her back. That's a beautiful, beautiful story in Genesis chapter 24. And Rebecca becomes the wife of Isaac. She doesn't have children for a long time either. And finally, in Genesis 25, Jacob and Esau are born. Uh, we see that going on. Uh, Isaac is uh, uh, older. He's 60 years old. And Abraham's death is recorded also in Genesis 25. Uh, and he, is, he dies 15 years later after Isaac or after uh, Jacob and Esau are born. And um, Isaac is 75 when, they are, when their father, uh, Abraham, uh, dies. Uh, Genesis 25 continues on, and you have that story of Esau and Jacob. Esau is the oldest, so he should be first, right? But you probably know some of the stories. Uh, one of them is found right here in Genesis 25, when Esau is a hunter, uh, Jacob more of an indoor guy. Uh, Jacob is mama's favorite, Rebecca's favorite. Esau the hunter is dad's favorite. Um, and uh, one day while Esau is out hunting, he comes in and he's famished. And Jacob is there with a bowl of stew, a bowl of soup or porridge, whatever you want to call it. And Esau says, give me some of that. I'm starving. And, and Jacob's a conniver. Again, amazing that God uses some of these people, but he does. They're people just like us with flaws and failures. And Jacob is certainly no different. Esau says to his brother, give me some of that stew, but instead of just giving him a bowl, he says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you mine if you give me your birthright. The birthright was very important to the culture of that day. 
Uh, the oldest would get a double portion of the inheritance and you would think would be the son that would carry on the family name and the promise. Uh, but just like with Ishmael, it wouldn't be that way. Abraham's oldest, Ishmael, was not the son of promise. It was Sarah's son, um, Isaac. And in the same way, Esau, their twins, Esau is the oldest. He came out first, but Jacob is the one who will be the son of promise. And this is the beginning of that. Uh, Esau uh, forfeits his birthright. He sells it to his brother simply for a bowl of stew. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, uh, Isaac and Rebekah uh, are continuing on their way. And just like uh, dear old dad, Abraham did with Sarah, uh, Isaac is uh, questioned about Rebekah and some of their travels and lies and says, she is my sister. Uh, they are distant relatives, perhaps uh, second or third cousins or so, but, um, but she is his wife. And Isaac does the same thing that his father Abraham had done. Um, in Genesis 27, Isaac gives Jacob the special blessing and not his older brother Esau. And that's a great story as well. Uh, Genesis 27. Isaac is getting close to the time when he will die. And so he tells his son, his favorite, the oldest, Esau, go out and kill me some one of the and animals that I love to eat. Prepare it like you can do, like I love to prepare and bring it back in here and I'll give you my blessing. Well, Rebecca, whose favorite son is Jacob, uh, she connives with him and plans and says, go out and kill one of our lambs that we have out there and one of our animals, bring it in, I'll prepare it for dad, uh, and you take it to him and get that blessing from him. And Jacob says, but I, I don't look like him, I don't smell like him, I don't sound like him, I'm not hairy like Esau is. Esau was a hairy man of red hair. And um, and Mama says, don't worry, we'll take the the uh, the hair from the animal and we'll put it on you. Don't it, it'll it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And so sure enough, of course, Esau is not going to be back for a while because he has to hunt and kill the animal. Um, uh, they go out and get one right out of the inside the fence, and um, uh, and so Jacob goes before his father. And uh, Isaac says, uh, come here, son. I, it doesn't sound like Esau, it sounds like Jacob. And Jacob goes up to him and he feels the hairiness on his arms from the animal skin. And uh, he smells the wonderful stew and he smells the animal smell. And he says, well, the voice is like that of Jacob, but boy, it sure sounds, and, or it sure smells and, and seems to be my, brother, my son Esau. And so Isaac gives Jacob the blessing that he would give Esau. And it's a great one, how his brother would serve him, how he would have many descendants. And then, of course, Esau comes in. And Isaac says, wait, wait, what? I just did that. And Esau says, oh, it was my brother's doing. Please, he begs his father for a blessing. And Isaac gives him kind of a difficult blessing. He says, you're going to have a troubled life, but in the end, you'll finally cast your brother's burden off of you. And that's exactly what happens. Um, we see that. Uh, Isaac dies, but it's not recorded for another several chapters, Genesis 35. He dies at age 180. But there are some stories about Esau and Jacob first. And uh, part of that is uh, their mother, uh, Rebecca, uh, going to Isaac and saying, I just, I just will hate myself if Jacob takes one of these uh, women of the land here to be his wife, send him back 
to my homeland to talk to my brother and to find a wife from my brother's family. And that's exactly what happens. But Rebecca is doing it because she knows that Esau has said, I'm going to kill my brother. Once my father's father dies and, and we go through the mourning process, I'm going to kill my brother. And so Rebecca cons her husband, Isaac, into sending Jacob away under the guise of finding a wife, which he will do. And there will be a lot of stories attached with Jacob, uh, whose name will ultimately be changed to Israel. But there's a lot of history that goes into that. And that's where we'll get on Thursday of this study. Uh, Genesis is wonderful. I love the narrative, the stories in Genesis. They, they tell so well, just as we have done over the last 25 minutes or so. Doesn't take very long, but boy, there's a lot there. And so I hope you stay up. You're going to really enjoy the ratings in Genesis, most of Exodus as well, especially the first several chapters. And then we'll get into the law and we'll kind of uh, drag down a little bit. But it's very important reading uh, because it reminds us of how important it is to obey God. We do that. I wish I could say we do that flawlessly, perfectly, sinlessly. But like Abraham, who was faithful but imperfect, we too are imperfect, but like Abraham, through the blood of Jesus Christ, in our case, we can be seen in the eyes of God as faithful. And just as he did with Abraham, God will credit it to us, not earned, not deserved. Because of that faithfulness, he will credit it to us as righteousness. Continue on reading through the Bible, and I look forward to seeing you on Thursday. God bless.